It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. The title that will be our focus on this program is descriptive of a character trait that God encourages all of us to pursue. The revelation is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Let me read those two verses now. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I know what you may think I'm going to emphasize on this episode, but I will hardly mention finances at all. That's a very small part of what I have to say. God is calling you to be a cheerful giver. God is calling me to be a cheerful giver in so many other areas. And I guarantee you, it will be not only something you are motivated by joy to fulfill, but you will reap joy as you fulfill. Isaiah 32 verse 8 says it beautifully. A generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. If you and I are going to be cheerful givers, we've got to develop this mindset of being generous. Generous not just with finances, but with everything that God has blessed you with in life. If God has blessed you with joy, give it away. If God has blessed you with peace, give it away. If God has blessed you with knowledge and wisdom and understanding in his word, give it away. If God has blessed you with a rich relationship with the Almighty, an intimate connection with God, teach others how to find that place themselves. Whatever God deposits in your life, it's not supposed to be conserved just for your use. It's supposed to be multiplied in the lives of others. That's what life is all about. You and I have got to have the mindset of searching through possibilities. Make a list here at the beginning of 2021 of ways that you can bless others with the things God has blessed you with. Again, let me reiterate Isaiah 32 verse 8, a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. I love the last part of that verse, because one of the greatest ways you can become strong yourself is by strengthening others. And if God has made you strong, the automatic responsibility that is given to you is to make others strong. Do you remember what happened with Peter the Apostle? How Jesus told him, Simon, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. He protested. He said, no, Lord, that, that, I'll never do that. And yet 
Inevitably, it happened. Yet Jesus told him in advance on the way to Jerusalem, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. In other words, you're going to go through an attack, a satanic assault on your life. The enemy is going to try and sift you, to tear you to pieces. But when you emerge from this time strong enough to overcome the enemy, then you're going to develop enough strength to give it away to others when they find themselves in the same dilemma. See, that's just the way it works. So, devise generous things right now. Think about it. Make a list right here at the beginning of this new year. List the ways you think you are qualified to put deposits into the lives of other people and then start doing it. There's a quote that I've tried to live by for many years. I've heard it attributed to an author that I really appreciated when I was a boy, Jack London. He wrote The Call of the Wild, one of my favorite books when I was a child. And he said this, bring thoughts in and entertain them royally, for one of them may be the king and may exalt you to honor. I like to change the wording of that just a little bit. Bring thoughts in and entertain them royally, for one of them may be from the king and may exalt you to honor. See, God deals in the realm of thoughts. He gives you ideas. He's a creative God, and one of the best signs that you're connected to him in an intimate relationship is creativity flowing in you. Everything in life happens twice. First, it happens in the realm of your thought life, and then it happens in reality as you work it out. Well, I've got some friends that are living examples of cheerful givers who have these ideas about how they can make a difference in this world. For a few minutes, let me talk to you about my good friend, Ray. Ray was a corporate executive in a big, big company down in Orlando, Florida, that recently had a lot of layoffs because of the COVID crisis. He could have just sat around the house and gotten depressed over his situation. But instead, he used all this new free time to start helping others. It began with him and his wife just filling up bags with rice and taking them around to underprivileged people. And then before long, they were hauling in big loads of canned goods and other food items and filling up their entire garage with all these wonderful looking bags that they filled up with all kinds of good items, including items for personal hygiene. And wow, they just give out hundreds of bags every week, going through different neighborhoods, finding people that are in need. And he's become a source of great joy to others. He has joyfully deposited his life into the lives of others, but I guarantee you he has reaped tremendous joy as a result. I have another good friend up in New York City, and you know how devastated that area has been in the last six months to a year. 
and he's a pastor, Reggie Stutzman, he decided to open up an outreach to the homeless and to the underprivileged. And he found an old garage, a car garage that somebody donated to him. He cleaned it up real good, fixed it up, and turned it into something he calls the Prodigal Center. And every week he gives out to hundreds of people clothing items, shoes, coats, canned goods, fresh vegetables, fresh fruits. He served over 30,000 people in the year 2020. He and his wife, Abelza, are just wonderful people who have cheerfully given of themselves to reach those that are desperately in need. And they did it out of joy. But I guarantee you they've reaped tremendous joy as a result. In fact, one of their favorite statements is, I get to do this. Not I have to do this. I have to feed the hungry. I have to clothe the naked. I have to help those that are underprivileged. But I get to do this. This is my privilege. This is my honor. Well, that's two examples of cheerful givers I can highlight for you that are making a difference in their world. They're making a difference in their communities. And they found an opportunity and filled it with purpose. I challenge you to do the same thing this year. Now let me give you some biblical information, some biblical revelation. Again, I want to emphasize that if we're going to be cheerful givers, number one, it's not out of duty. It's not because we feel duty-bound or somehow guilty because we're doing okay ourselves financially or materially, and so we've got to reach out. It's not out of duty, nor should it be out of religious obligation, not because you're trying to earn points toward righteousness in the kingdom of God, nor should it be out of selfish desire to receive some kind of quote-unquote hundredfold return. Because if you're going to be a cheerful giver, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. You are just automatically following your heart. Whether you get a return or not is irrelevant. Inevitably, it will come, but that's not your focus nor your motive. It's altogether out of unselfish love. And love automatically gives birth to joy. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and joy and peace grow out of love. And if love isn't the foundation, the joy and the peace will be very shallow. Remember, fruit is representative of these character traits. And no tree grows fruit for itself. You never see, uh, you never see a tree eating its own fruit. It's all for the benefit of others. And in like manner, fruit bearers in the kingdom of God are not concerned about eating of the fruit themselves. It's all for the benefit of others. That's our calling to be cheerful givers. Now, I told you I was going to refer to the Bible. Let me go there now. What about the Abraham example? When God introduced himself to Abraham, this father of the faith did not hoard this revelation to himself. He did not just bask in the heavenly insights he received for his own personal benefit. Remember, when God revealed himself to Abraham, he started the relationship as a platform for giving. He said to Abram, I will bless you 
and I will multiply you. He said, I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And he said, in you and in your seed or in your offspring shall all nations of the earth, all families of the earth be blessed. So the Abrahamic system is being blessed to become a blessing. In fact, you should confess that right now. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. You ought to go and read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, just to see how God approached a relationship with Abraham, whose name was originally Abram, because it starts out with the mindset that now that I know God, it's all about others. It's all about how I can impact the world around me. I heard a story years ago about General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, and how the first year of his fledgling organization, he wanted to send a Christmas card out to all his workers, but he only had enough money to pay for the card stock and to print one word on the inside. And the printer told him, General Booth, you, you don't have to tell me what you're going to print on the inside. It's a Christmas card. You're going to put the name Jesus on the inside, right? And he said, definitely not. And the man looked at him in surprise. He said, my workers, my Salvation Army workers all over the world know that message very well. They know the message of Jesus. He said, but there's another message some of them haven't learned well enough yet. He said, put the word others inside of that card. And so hundreds, probably thousands of Salvation Army workers around the world opened a Christmas card from the leader of their organization. And wow, what an impact it had. The word others must have penetrated their heart with fresh motivation concerning why they were doing what they were doing. It's all about others. The blessing of God always brings increase, but increase always brings an opportunity to overflow. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's increase. That's abundance. That's blessing. But then later on in the psalm, David said, my cup overflows. If your cup overflows, that means others around you are receiving the benefit of what God has done in you. Praise God. So what about the Moses example? I'm going to come at it from a little bit different direction with Moses. He received his burning bush encounter. And then from that point, he didn't just sit around meditating, trying to get closer to God. He gave his life away to over a million captives, slaves in Egypt, to liberate them when they showed appreciation and when they complained and accused him. He did it cheerfully. He met God, and then he went forth to use the power, the wisdom, the knowledge, the giftings that God placed in his life for the benefit of others, to set them free. Sometimes being a cheerful giver means giving up. It certainly did for Abraham. He had to give up his home. He had to leave his family. He had to get away from what was predictable and comfortable and set out on a journey not knowing where he was going. The same with Moses. 
In fact, there's a passage of scripture that says it really well. In Moses' case, Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. Remember that. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches. And so Moses gave up his place of prominence, his place of influence, his place of prosperity, his place of plenty. He had access into Pharaoh's courts he had recognition throughout the land of Egypt. I'm sure materially he was blessed beyond measure, but he gave it all up in order to give to people who had nothing to give him back in return, really. They were slaves. They didn't own their own bodies. They didn't own money or goods or material possessions. They just needed someone to invest in their lives. And you know the rest of the story and how remarkable a person Moses was. He stuck with his giving mindset, even when the children of Israel threatened to stone him. He just was committed that direction. Many of you know my story too. Uh, when I met God back in 1970, I was a teacher of yoga at four universities. Uh, also ran a yoga ashram. I had several hundred students who considered me their guru. Then I met Jesus. Wow, what a revelation that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one could come to the no one could come to the Father but by him. How revolutionary that was to me. How transformed I was in a day's time. I went back to all my yoga classes and shut them down. I closed my yoga ashram and automatically my source of finance dried up immediately. I had nothing, no place to live, no place to stay. For a week, I slept on the floor of a barbershop. One of my yoga students who became a Christian when I did had a barbershop and he let me sleep on the floor of his shop until I found a new direction for my life. And I've told people often that was quite a hairy experience. <laughs> I know I could have continued with this podcast without descending into that kind of uh, pun. But uh, anyway, I did, so I can't recover from it. And then I went to a Christian mission in Central Florida where this outreach to the really poor migrant workers in the area was right in their midst. And we had to live like they lived. We lived in little tiny shacks that had no electricity, no running water, and on top of that, no bathrooms. <laughs> there were little outhouses about 30 feet from the house we lived in. But we ministered among people that had to live that way, and we felt like it would be wrong for us to live above them and then try and reach them and minister to them. Then uh, I got a construction job, and we moved to a Jesus commune, and all of us started uh, 
uh, all of us started pooling our finances together in order to maintain this nice home that we began to live in a few months a few months later and after a few months of a comfortable existence of having a predictable job a construction job and a couple of others god laid it on my heart and another brother in the jesus commune to give away everything we owned and start hitchhiking across the country preaching on college campuses wow what a step of commitment that was i gave away all my music equipment he gave his car away we gave away all our clothes all our money to the poor we kept one change of clothes and a bible that's all we allowed ourselves and started hitchhiking and went a thousand miles to the university of indiana in bloomington indiana and when we got there we were supposed to preach in a church and the pastor decided to uh, that he didn't want. And when we got there, the pastor told us he decided not to have the revival. Well, we could have gotten real depressed, but instead we walked down the street and said, God sent us to Indiana to preach. So we're going to preach. And we found a lot in the middle of the city that was owned by the Yippies. The Yippies were the hippies that got politically oriented and they got involved in politics, and most of them were into socialism and communism. And I'm sure some of them had some high ideals about equality and the rich not taking advantage of the poor. I understand it from that angle, but still, they went too far with it. But anyway, they had bought this lot in the middle of the town and put a great big sign above the lot, a billboard, that stated it was purchased by the Yippies for the free use of anybody that wanted to use it. So we decided that's going to be our church. The communists bought our first church. Praise God. And then we had to get advertisements. So we uh, didn't have any money. We had about 50 cents. And we bought a magic marker and found some old pizza boxes behind a Pizza Hut type restaurant and wrote revival, old-fashioned street preaching, miracle signs and wonders, healing the sick, prophesying, casting out devils every night at 7.30, and posted those signs on the four corners. And then we decided we needed pews, so we dug into the dumpster again and found about 50 Paps Blue Ribbon boxes, cardboard boxes that had been used to contain uh, cans of Paps Blue Ribbon beer, and we flattened them out and laid them on the grass so people wouldn't have to sit on uh, dew-covered grass and get wet. And, and so a beer company provided our first pews. Communists provided our first church. I got the blessing of preaching the first night. I remember my message. My message was, except a man lose his life for my sake and for the gospels, he shall not find it. And praise God, we had about 70 people show up, almost all of them druggies and hippies and people into occultism and all kinds of weird things. I gave an invitation and almost every single person in that crowd gave their lives to the Lord Jesus, including a musician that traveled along with Led Zeppelin as a part of their front band. And from that point, I started traveling evangelistically all around the country, preaching in churches and schools and all kinds of venues, and I've never stopped traveling since. I gave cheerfully of myself, but I've received so much back in return. 
I don't really consider it sacrifice. It was a joy to share Jesus with those who needed him. And usually what happens is you earn the right to help people in an area where you've suffered yourself. For instance, after I started traveling around the country for about two or three years, I acted on a thought again that drugs are getting more and more rampant. This was back around 1972, 73. I got to do something about it. I didn't have a degree in college uh, that qualified me to be a counselor, but I decided to pull together a group of people where we could go into high schools and present a drug abuse assembly that would emphasize conversion as an answer, as a solution. And we did that for many years, and we saw over 70,000 young people saved as a result of drug abuse assembly. See, if you ever come out of a certain kind of darkness, you earn the right to deliver someone else from the same pit. It just works that way. And for about 10 years, we did drug abuse assemblies all over the country. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. The results were phenomenal. I cheerfully gave of the revelation that changed my life because, see, I almost died because of drugs when I was 18 years old. And so I understood the darkness on that side. Well, let me end with something about the psalmist David that really illustrates this point. See, he fell into a terrible pit of uncleanness and sin. He'd walked as a prophet of God. He'd been used of God mightily, and then he fell in adultery and murder. You know the rest of the story. But he pulled out of it. In Psalm 51, he pled with God and said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Watch the next verse. He said, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. In other words, he was saying, God, I don't deserve it. I'm a horrible person. I've sunk into the depths of sin. But if you'll be generous with me, I'll be generous with others. And transgressors like me, he was saying, will be converted to you. See, that's the way it works. Whatever darkness you've gone through, you've earned the right to deliver somebody else from the same pit. Remember, Jesus went into the gaping mouth of death. He faced off with the arch enemies of the human race, but he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave, and he came forth with the keys of death and hell, and keys opened doors. So he was qualified by his suffering to open the door of salvation and deliverance from death and hell to us. He went through the pain of becoming sin for us so that he could deliver us from the pain of sin. I urge you to survey your life, bring thoughts in, meditate on what God has done for you and what you can give away to others in the year 2021. The Bible says, as every man has received the gift, so minister the same one to another. Many years ago, someone had a dream about me. I was standing on a pulpit, beaming with this big smile, this cheerful smile, and they heard the voice of God speak to me. And it was a layered statement. It was actually God speaking twice, but one voiced statement was layered on top of the other. 
They heard God first say, be true to the gift God gave you. But then on top of it was an echoed statement, yet one word was changed, be true to the gift God made you. Because child of God, the gift God gives you is the gift you become deposited in somebody else's life. If God gives you a gift of wisdom, you become a gift of wisdom to others. If God gives you a gift of love, you become a gift of love to others. And the list goes on and on. So make a decision right now in the year 2021, no matter how chaotic society is, no matter how tumultuous the world becomes, we are going to be the body of Christ, the body that exhibits his character to the world. Even as he was a cheerful giver, God so loved the world that he gave. And when Jesus got here, he was the gift of the Father to humanity. And when he walked among men, he gave everything he had to us. Let's walk in those footsteps and be cheerful givers and watch our lives change in dramatic ways as we change the lives of others. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.